0: Today is Monday, November 9th, 2020. On this day in 1938, Nazi diplomat Ernst Roth died after being shot by Polish-German Jew Herschel Grinspan. Roth's death became the pretext for one of the most violent attacks against Jews in Nazi Germany, Kristallnacht. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the assassination of Ernst vom Rott. His death was supposed to be revenge for the Nazis' treatment against Jews. Instead, it produced one of the worst acts of terror against Jews in the lead-up to the Holocaust. Let's go back to Paris, France on the afternoon of November 9th, 1938. 29-year-old Ernst Roth was on the verge of death As he laid in a coma, it was obvious to the doctors and nurses that the German diplomat wasn't going to make it. Despite their best efforts, the bullets had damaged Fomrath's spleen. There was no coming back from it. Fomrath had been slowly dying for the better part of two days. The irony of his impending death was that the assassin, Herschel Grinspan, had no idea who Roth was. In Herschel's eyes, Roth was simply a Nazi. And any Nazi would do. Seventeen-year-old Herschel Grinspan was a Polish citizen who grew up in Germany. As a Jew, Herschel witnessed the systematic oppression Adolf Hitler established against his people. In 1935, the Nuremberg Laws stripped German Jews of their citizenship, and throughout 1936 and 37, the German government attempted to Aryanize Jewish businesses. Jewish laborers were fired, and Jewish business owners were forced to sell to non-Jews. As more and more laws tightened around Germany's Jewish population, many Jews fled the country. However, to the Nazis, the Jews weren't leaving fast enough. It was time to deport them. In October 1938, 17,000 Polish Jews living in Germany were forcibly removed from their homes and sent to live in desolate conditions at the German-Polish border. Herschel Grinspan, who had moved to Paris, learned that his family was among those deported. Herschel was outraged. The need for revenge consumed him. On the morning of November 7th, Herschel bought a gun and set out for the German embassy. He was going to kill a Nazi, any Nazi. As Herschel later said, I had to protest in a way that the whole world would hear. Herschel entered the embassy, claiming that he was seeking a visa. Because the ambassador had just left, the secretary ushered Herschel to the office of Ernst Roth, the embassy's legation secretary. The meeting didn't go on for very long. When Roth asked Herschel for necessary documents, Herschel pulled out his pistol and fired. Herschel shot Fomrath five times, striking him twice in the stomach. When the police arrived, Herschel didn't resist. He told the authorities, ''I do not regret it. I did it to avenge my parents, who are miserable in Germany.'' He was taken to prison and awaited his trial. Meanwhile, Fomrath was rushed to a Paris hospital and immediately went into surgery. When Hitler learned of the attack, he sent his personal physician, Karl Braunt, to try and save the young diplomat. However, deep down inside, Hitler realized he had been given a gift. Hitler, not so secretly, desired to escalate his persecution of Germany's Jewish people, and the attack on Roth was the perfect excuse to do it. Hitler just needed to wait for him to die. At around 4.30 p.m. on November 9th, Roth succumbed to his wounds. Five hours later, Hitler received a telegram with news of Roth's death. After pretending to be surprised, Hitler turned to the head of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, and gave him the green light to retaliate. That evening, a rain of Nazi terror hit the Jewish community all over Germany. It became known as Kristallnacht. Coming up, we'll explore the devastating toll of Kristallnacht, as well as Herschel Grinspon's fate. Hi listeners! To celebrate our favorite month, ParCast Network is releasing a slate of new shows leaning into all things spooky and spine-tingling. And now we're bringing you an original series called Superstitions, featuring the origins and impacts of our most unusual beliefs, and the stories of those who dare to defy them. Every week on Superstitions, hear a new drama that illustrates the eeriness and unlocks the mysteries of humanity's strangest codes of conduct, like holding your breath while passing a cemetery so you don't wake the dead and make them jealous, or carrying the foot of an animal known to have an evil eye, or using iron to keep away the devil. They may seem mystical or even completely illogical, but one thing is certain you ignore them at your own risk. You can find and follow Superstitions free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To hear more ParCast shows, search ParCast Network in Spotify's search bar and find a growing slate of spooky October programming to enjoy. Now back to the story. On the afternoon of November 9, 1938, German diplomat Ernst Fomrath died after being shot two days earlier. His assassin, Herschel Grinspun was a 17-year-old Polish Jew seeking revenge. Unfortunately, Herschel had no idea that his act of retribution would ultimately result in a violent pogrom that marked the beginning of the Holocaust. Ernst Roth's death was the gift that Hitler and the Nazis had been looking for to violently engage with Germany's Jewish people. After Hitler gave the order, Joseph Goebbels sent messages through regional Nazi party leaders to incite violent protests through Germany. However, it was key to sell the protests as spontaneous outrage. The idea was to distance Hitler from actually ordering death and destruction on the Jews. This way, they could avoid international outcry. The orders were received loud and clear. Within hours of Goebbels' message, the first so-called riots began cropping up around the country. For the next 24 hours, Jewish communities in major German cities turned into chaos. Supposedly outraged civilians and members of the Nazi paramilitary group known as the Brownshirts took to the streets and destroyed Jewish property. In particular, they sought out synagogues and Jewish-owned businesses. By the morning of November 11th, over 250 synagogues and an unknown number of businesses were destroyed. Many were burned to the ground. More devastating was that at least 91 Jews were murdered. Some historians have argued that the death toll reached over 200. Additionally, 30,000 were arrested these newly imprisoned Jews became the first victims sent to concentration camps. Although the final solution and death camps wouldn't come for another few years, the prisoners were tortured and mistreated, a foreshadowing of what was to come. An estimated 400 of the Jews arrested during Kristallnacht died while imprisoned. Nazi propaganda tried to paint Kristallnacht, or Night of Broken Glass, because of the broken glass in the streets, as a completely spontaneous event. But no one believed it. For the past several years, the brown shirts had been systematically inciting violence throughout the nation. It was apparent the orders likely came from on high. The German public viewed the pogrom negatively, but for the wrong reasons. According to historian Volker Ulrich, the public rejection of the violence was largely based not on empathy for the Jews, but rather on their dismay at the destruction of valuable commodities. In layman's terms, the property was deemed more important than human life. Ultimately, the lack of any significant backlash gave Hitler the pretext to move even further against the Jews. Seven years later, over six million Jews would die at the Nazis' hands. As for Herschel Grinspan, the man who unwittingly unleashed the Nazi terror, he claimed that the real reason he killed Fomrat was that the two had a sexual relationship. He said the murder was nothing more than a crime of passion. Some historians believe this to be a total fabrication that was used as Herschel's defense. Others claim both men frequented similar gay clubs in Paris, giving credence to Herschel's story. Whether or not the rumors were true, it was enough to save Herschel from going to trial. The Nazis feared that Roth being gay could tarnish the image they had created, and they quietly swept Herschel under the rug. All traces of him disappeared after 1942. In 1960, Herschel Grinspan was officially declared dead. His simple act of revenge inadvertently led to the deaths of millions. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Remember to follow Superstitions for new episodes featuring our most unusual beliefs. Are they side effects of ancient folklore or truly the masters of our fates? Look closely and examine the writing on the wall. Superstitions airs every Wednesday, free on Spotify.